The first thing is the opportunity around integrating these various payment products. I think that's, that's key. Flexibility for the consumer will lead to more conversion at checkout. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antonio with Currency Cloud. And today I'm happy to have Paul Golding from Macquarie. Paul, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on, Chris. Great to be with you. Yeah, it's really good to have you on. So for our listeners, if you could give a background about yourself and you know what you're doing over at Macquarie today. Sure. So my path to Macquarie started off uh, with some work in corporate finance and in large cap media. After working in industry, I made my way to Wall Street and was covering large cap media as a senior associate in the research department at Macquarie, covering everything from media networks to digital advertising to streaming hardware. And then from there, I branched in commerce in general. And that's when we got into the payments ecosystems and e-commerce and understanding how these businesses are facilitating the commerce that we see today, whether it's for consumer products, travel services, entertainment, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I guess uh, to just dive right in, you know, to, to, to talk about the situation that we're in now, you know, with the, uh, the pandemic and COVID, um, it's, you know, it's accelerated the global e-commerce uh, exponentially. Could you talk a little bit about that growth um, from the like end-to-end SaaS marketplace aspect um, and, and what you're seeing in regards to the, you know, the whole ecosystem in that perspective? Sure. So to kick off that, the conversation around these SaaS end-to-end marketplaces, I think it's important to look at one of the companies that we cover, which is Square. And Square provides businesses with a SaaS offering for uh, their merchant processing interfaces. Ultimately, though, that also allows them to take pictures, SKUs, pricing of in-store products and flip that to a marketplace online and a virtual terminal product that enables merchants to seamlessly transition between brick and mortar and uh, the, the, the virtual terminal uh, world and, and online marketplace world. So there's a lot of value in that. But then when we talk about end-to-end, we have to get into the other aspects of commerce, like digital ad insertion, digital advertising in general, uh, identifying uh, users based on their uh, CRM data, and then delivering those ads and attracting the, the consumer. Beyond that, we also talk about the enterprise resource planning aspect of what an end-to-end SaaS solution can look like for a business. And that's the arena that we think these businesses are going to further dive into as far as developing uh, ecosystems for these small and medium businesses. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you touched on it, uh, you know, a bit there that there, there is opportunity, um, obviously, with, with that ecosystem. And I guess focusing on areas that are non-traditional to what their, their, their value proposition is and, and taking that opportunity. Um, what, what types of areas within the business are there, you know, exposure to opportunity given that um, they're, a, you know, a software as a service type of marketplace that, that you guys are seeing? 
So the first thing is around offering people uh, who have small and medium businesses the opportunity to uh, manage their payroll all from one interface. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is if you look at, for example, a Square product that recently came out, the, the, the payroll functionality through Cash App, it creates a seamless interaction between the funds that are deposited into your merchant account from your transactions and into the withholding and eventual payroll processing for your employees. And eventually also we expect will allow for paycheck advance as well as instant transfer of those funds as opposed to a three-day ACH processing, for example, if you were to go through a traditional payroll processor. The other areas to branch into are digital billing and invoicing, account management, arenas that have other disparate players that are already participating in these marketplaces, but that by delivering a cohesive ecosystem, namely that starts with the funds in the merchant account and processing those transactions and the visibility from that, you can deliver quicker, more efficient, more seamless uh, products across the, the landscape. And how much work is that, I guess, for you know, a company like you mentioned, Square, um, to take on you know, payroll? Uh, you know, obviously, they have the data. They have different applications that they can seamlessly I- interact with each other. Um, is there any risk for them, I guess, to take on different areas uh, that they might not be you know, experienced in, but they have access to? You know, is there any risk that you see or is it, is it really just, you know, an open opportunity for, for companies to take advantage of, you know, operations like that? There are partnerships currently where you can pipe in Intuit data, for example, from QuickBooks or NetSuite into these uh, platforms that process your transactions and vice versa. So you can, trans, you can transfer data and understand what your true financial picture, forecast, outlook might look like, liquidity, et cetera, all those, those great you know, financial statement uh, line items. Uh, that is, I think, a, a learning opportunity for the, the fintechs that can see how small business accounting is aggregated, how it's thought of. There are opportunities to improve upon that, but at the very least, these partnerships allow for visibility in at least having a baseline. Mm-hmm. So sure, there is some amount of risk that at some point, uh, you know, there, there may not be the same interfunctionality, but for now, these partnerships, I think, are facilitating some backdrop that allows for uh, context around how to deliver these services. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, a lot of the you know, opportunities with, with just the API technology allows, like you mentioned, uh, open access to the data and, and uh, willingness to, to ability to control different areas that might not be of expertise, um, you know, to, to say the least. I did want to touch on the, the you know, the recent uh, research that you guys have done on the e-commerce value chain. Um, yeah. You know, just the, the different components of digital commerce platforms and specifically within the payments ecosystem. If you could touch a little bit on, you know, that work that you guys have been doing and 
you know, the, the data that came out of that. Sure. So needless to say, uh, it doesn't take a, a, a Wall Street research analyst to, to see that card not present or e-commerce volumes have really spiked during the pandemics. At the, at the beginning of the pandemic, especially, uh, a growth was still very strong, uh, even after the reopening and, and some of the Sunbelt states for brick and mortar. Uh, but again, now in October, after hearing the Visa and MasterCard results and, and getting the October updates, we can see that card not present e-commerce is again spiking, very robust. Probably some uh, correlation with the news flow around resurgent case COVID cases. Uh, as far as you know, propensity to buy things online and not go into stores and uh, and do it from the the safety of your home. Uh, but as we were seeing these these volumes develop, we started thinking about who the the players are in the space and the components of how people pay for things and how they see the things that they want to buy, and decided that we were going to do a deep dive into the various slices of these ecosystems. That includes hosted solutions, that includes the, the, the processing component, that includes the networks, that also includes something like uh, you know, a, a merchant processor that is doing virtual terminal work or a marketplace like Shopify. So we looked at the whole landscape and the different components. As far as the payments piece goes, though, we started to look at how much contactless would be a part of this conversation, how much something like uh, a card not present key-in could look like, tokenization, just a variety of components of the payment landscape to understand who's best positioned and how uh, that positioning could lead to outsized growth or where there's an opportunity to become a bigger player in that space. So that, that's sort of, those are the, the, the verticals that we looked at on this. And what types of, I guess, uh, opportunities have you seen from some SaaS marketplaces that have taken maybe advantage of you know, uh, taking on some of the, 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 the payments ecosystem? Have you seen any drastic uh, transition or just basically just been organic growth based on uh, the, the different demands? Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, companies that have the ability to turn your, your brick and mortar point of sale operation into a virtual marketplace with virtual terminal processing capabilities were relied upon greatly. Mm-hmm. And that allowed the momentum to continue despite the struggles that small businesses were facing with closure. Part of that included, again, I I have to come back to it. Part of that included things like the ability to integrate delivery of these goods that you were purchasing, like Square had. They introduced a product where, uh, a product to the seller where you, you could request delivery if you were local. And so those things are really tangible benefits that bridge the gap between brick and mortar and uh, SaaS marketplaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I think the ability for the ones to transition are obviously the ones that have 
succeeded and obviously square over the, the last couple well at least this year is uh you know uh you can look at over uh maybe uh over 100 percent or close to that yeah. uh year over I'm, year outside of the marketplaces though if you look at SaaS solutions like the dynamic ad insertion companies that are using id graphs identity graphs mm-hmm. to target people effectively to drive higher conversion to uh essentially reach people in modern ways. And what I mean by that is, you know, outside of outdoor advertising or print advertising or national broadcast TV advertising, they're finding people online. They're finding people through streaming TV and digital ad insertion. And those SaaS marketplaces um, that are, that we've talked about that facilitate the commerce have also been leveraging SaaS digital ad marketplaces. These are marketplaces. There's bidding, there are live waterfalls, there's API into streaming services for uh, instant insertion of, of these ads. These ecosystems are, are all SaaS based and they're really seeing the big picture. I think that's the key here is they're seeing the big picture to come together and leverage data. And that's that was our title for the piece. It was e- e-commerce and huge data. Mm-hmm. The huge data is a big piece of it. Yeah, I mean, and, and to be able to utilize that in different uh, in all aspects of, of of the business for sure, I mean, obviously, is key. I did want to talk about some of the trends that have been happening. I guess given given this year, um, we've seen the rise of you know the the debit uh, solution along uh, with millennials and, and, and Gen Z acceleration of B two B payments. Uh, you know, adoption of contactless and buy now, pay later platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of increase given the the digitalization and 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 drive of uh, the the necessity this year. Um, do you see that as far as an overall trend, uh, just continuing on as 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 uh, we we head into twenty twenty one? As far as trends go, and then is that essentially the norm in our companies investing um, into deeper into these types of solutions moving forward? So if we look at it from the consumer perspective on how they're leveraging the current environment uh, to, I guess, focus more on certain products that the fintechs are are able to offer or that networks are able to offer. Mm -hmm. If we talk about the consumer propensity to use one product versus another, we've seen a huge jump in debit over credit. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, something that's really been the story throughout the, the pandemic. That along with card not present versus cross-border, cross-border being substantially subdued, given that travel has been so subdued. Correct, yeah. So if we look at the use of debit and BNPL, buy now, pay later. Debit, I can tell you as recently as mid-October on these updates, you know, we've seen debit increase substantially yet again. Uh, actually, over Q4, I can show that debit at MasterCard was up 20% year over year, offset by a 12% decline in credit. And at Visa, Visa debit was up 24% in the quarter year over year, offset by 7% declines in credit. Interesting. So yeah. the, the part of it, I think can be attributed to the macro backdrop. There's uncertainty 
some, you know, so many families that are, that are struggling, uh, with the, their own household financial, you know, outlook forecast visibility. Right. And so credit is seen as more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we've seen, um, especially in the buy now pay later, we, I mean, PayPal just came out with their installment payments. Yeah. Um, we have other companies spinning out and, um, you know, I think, you know, a, a few years ago it was maybe just the Klarna was, was probably yeah. the, you know, the one, and now you have Afterpay, Sezzle, and there's quite a few. Um, Quad are, pay, bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bread just got scooped up, what, yesterday, I think, um, you know, as we speak. Um, well, so so data. Yeah. When, when you look at debit and buy now, pay later, we think it goes hand in hand. The, okay. other, the other component of the debit rise is basically uh, stimulus payments. Stimulus payments through direct deposit were coming in the form of cash. And whether it was into a digital wallet with a debit card attached, like a Venmo wallet or a cash app, mm-hmm. or it was just your checking account that you were using your debit card for or it was a transfer from your checking account to a high yield savings account to try to shore up your finances with the extra stimulus money in case things continue right. to up. Right. All of these things are driving debit volume disproportionately yep. at yep. the expense of credit. And so the same dynamic is applied to buy now, pay later propensity. If you don't necessarily want to part with all of your cash, at once, when you go to make a purchase and you're at the checkout step of, of your, your basket, right? The buy now, pay later option is a way of not using a credit card by associating your debit card or a digital wallet and then splitting up the payment by using the, 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 the cash and the buy now, pay later in sync over whether it's six weeks or whether it's 39 months if you're buying a Peloton bike using a firm, right? right, right. In fact, it's, it's Klarna in Europe. But, you know, that, this is a way of synthetically creating a, a, an installment plan or, or not using credit. So Yeah, and it, it, it's obviously, you know, beneficial for both the, the, the company and, and the consumer, you know, for, for both aspects and, and obviously increases the adoption of conversion rates, without a doubt. Um, you did touch on quite a few companies. I wanted to talk about, I guess, the, the, the key players just in, in e-commerce moving forward. So obviously we've had, we've talked on some payment companies, some SaaS marketplaces, but um, could you touch on who you, you know, who you see as far as, you know, key leaders, I guess, in, in the marketplace moving forward and, um, you know, tend to, to watch how they adopt different areas of their business? We've talked a lot about Square. How about, I, I'd like to talk about PayPal a little bit too, because I think PayPal has been interesting in how many new products they've been launching that yeah. have real tangible applicability through the, the pandemic and given people's financial situation. So we think about QR code, crypto, buy now, pay later, Venmo credit. This is all leveraging and intertwining all of these products that they have had and that they are launching. And it all goes together. So what I mean by that is, let's walk through a hypothetical scenario. Let's say that you get a stimulus payment 
And that stimulus payment goes to your Venmo wallet direct deposit. And then that Venmo wallet, you can use the you know, Venmo credit card, for example, and then pay that credit card out of the wallet. That's great. Let's say you want to use PayPal buy now, pay later, and you've got funds in your Venmo wallet. The ability to go back and forth will be crucial in sort of shoring up the, the ease of making sure those payments are made on time and that, that you get the best rates. And then you look at crypto and you look at the interest in having the, the ability to hold in a, a class other than US dollars, an asset class other than US dollars, but seamlessly use that to purchase goods. That, that is key because you don't have to exchange back and have the friction as if you were using a crypto wallet and then having to turn that into dollars and then go and purchase things. And then the QR code. QR code is, is huge in the sense that we look at PayPal, they are accepted by 80 of the top 100 US online retailers and used by a majority of online consumers in transactions. That recognition, that scale is incredible when you think about a platform that, that is online and that's been around for some time, but doesn't, hasn't had the same presence in brick and mortar. But around at the end of last quarter, around 16% of US retail was done online. So 84% was in store. If you can bridge the digital to physical divide by having QR codes in stores like PayPal is starting to roll out now. That allows you to use all these funds, all these services, all these products that you have in that wallet and on your account and at your fingertips by being a, a frequent customer that allows you to leverage that into store. And so at that point, you, you've got all your payment solutions at your fingertips across ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, you touched on really good points there. And I think it's interesting to me that, you know, I, I thought PayPal, you know, previous to the pandemic actually missed that opportunity with the brick and mortar, but now it's kind of forced into opening up that opportunity, you know, through, through that, through the pandemic and giving them that opportunity to do, to do digital um, because they did have the merchant you know, aspect and the consumer aspect, but they never really figured out in my perspective, didn't really figure out, you know, that, that, that bridge um, for that gap, but it looks like, you know, in introducing the, the, um, the QR code also with ability for wallets, um, you know, you're starting to create more of a lifestyle brand uh, rather than just a, you know, a wallet solution. Um, you are for both absolutely. Wallets. Absolutely. So, um, uh, what, so, so the last piece I wanted to touch on here. Um, so, you know, you, you, obviously you guys are, uh, you know, pumping out a lot of research, and I wanted to get your opinion on you know different marketplaces, e-commerce, SaaS marketplaces. Um, you know how they should think about investing. You know, in, into small, medium businesses. Are there specific tools that they should be looking at? You know, both vertically and 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 just like infrastructure type of plays. Um, yeah. From your perspective, obviously, there's you know you know some companies are are looking for that all of the opportunity now and and all in. So just Wanted to get your perspective on where the opportunity is uh, in general. Yeah. So I think the first thing is the opportunity around integrating these various payment products. 
I think that's, that's key. Flexibility for the consumer will lead to more conversion at checkout. Whether that's the 0% uh, Affirm offering for Peloton bikes or for other products, although, again, the, these interest rates uh, can vary depending on creditworthiness as well as how much is allowed to be financed. But overall, the flexibility is, is crucial. And that goes to these marketplaces as well in offering that. I think MasterCard is doing something interesting with the Vise platform and allowing a waterfall for bidding on point of sale fine, uh, lending options. That's new, that's innovative. I think that's, that'll be interesting in allowing customers to get the best offering uh, available to them. Uh, and that's in part being facilitated by an acquirer that's partnered with them. Right. And so uh, I think the opportunity to sort of also make this open sourced, it will, will be an interesting way of innovating uh, as, as buy now, pay later and point of sale lending and point of sale options in general continue to expand and, and be innovated upon. But I also think that investing in the merchant and what you can offer the merchant is key because it's a more it's a story of the cart or the horse, and um, you know which one comes first. And to some extent, as a marketplace, you want to have merchants with goods and services willing to be posted on your platform that people can transact on. Right. And we look at what's happening in the marketplace. We look at something like Square processing as of the end of last quarter, not this, not Q3, but prior, uh, calendar Q2, uh, over $800 million in PPP loans, mm -hmm. the small and medium businesses. And facilitating the processing the, of, of that uh, request to get them through the pandemic. And I think their ability to leverage data across seller and consumer and get the visibility on what the seller's financials can look like in real time and project out will allow them, and they should leverage this, they should emphasize this, it'll allow them to deliver more bespoke products right. that, that these small and medium businesses need and will need even more as this pandemic has gotten, has become prolonged. So I think really being a support center for them all, you know, in, in full service will be the key around uh, who the, who the winners are here long-term. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, we've seen a spike from a few of our uh, customers. We, we work with the two companies uh, that are in this space called uh, ClearBank uh, with the C and uh, Sellers Funding uh, who really focus in on that um, you know, that, that point of sale lending or, or, or lending based on, uh, you know, e-commerce sales and they, they've really worked uh, their model, especially now that opportunity to really buy in that trust, but then also, you know, really build in, um, you know, some really good risk models um, to benefit both them and their customers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, instant type of model. So it's really interesting to see that grow um, yeah. and see that benefit that they get. Well, Paul, it was really good to have you on today. Um, is there any you know, last, last uh, tidbits that you want to add in before we close out? 
just uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, great conversation. This is a space where there's a new product and a new platform and some new form of innovation uh, all the time. It's very real. It's very tangible. And uh, it's great to, to, to see the marketplace come together the way we've seen through the pandemic to, to help sellers and, and people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, whether it's accepting you know, stimulus into wallets or, or giving small business loans to, to get through the, the, the crunch here. Um, I, I'm, I think there's a lot that's still being done and that, that we'll see in the, in the near future around products that will, will facilitate, uh, uh, an easier, easier time getting through these things. So. Yeah, I agree. And, and you look at it as far as the whole ecosystem, it's, it's beneficial for both uh, the end consumer and, and the businesses in general. And so it's good to see, you know, that, that innovation and exciting to see where it's going to, where it's going to go. Um, in that sense, well, you know, appreciate you coming on today and we'll be sure to share information with, with our listeners and, uh, yeah, appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks. You too, Chris. Take care. Currency cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.